Hello, welcome back to the human side of learning and talent technology. My name is Bennett Jensen. I'm here with Tiffany Faulkner and Chris Bond. Hey, Bennett. Hey, we're back. It's a new year. It is. The same podcast. So we're still here. We made it through. We've made it through 2020. 2021 has started. Nothing too terrible has happened yet, even though we're just a couple days into it. Uh, so we're off to a good start. 2021 is going to be a good year. So tell us how, uh, tell me how you ended your 2020, Tiffany. What did you do? What happened? Anything exciting? Absolutely nothing exciting well, that's, happened. That's okay. Which was pretty miraculous for 2020. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah. That's a that's, good way to end the year. Yeah. With all the exciting, I don't know if exciting is the right word, with all the things that happened in 2020. Yeah. A just quiet into the year was probably much needed for much needed uh, absolutely chris i just wonder how much we're going to look back in 10 years and go wow i learned a lot in 2020 i didn't enjoy it (laughs) but i learned a lot in 2020 we did i did i know other people did it's been a crazy year but i think you're right i think we can look back on it and say it kind of was a terrible year, but at the same time, I'm so much better at this or that because I went through yeah. all the craziness of the year. I'll tell you that I learned that I really, really like going and watching movies at the movie theater. Huh. <laughs> I mm. really miss that. <laughs> really miss that. <laughs> I do too. I hadn't thought about that in a while. I'd almost kind of forgot about movie theaters. Yeah, remember but, those? Yeah, I remember those. Yeah. Oh, I love going to movie theaters. That's mm-hmm. a... See, now I'm going to miss going to the movie theaters. But I just got to wait till like April 2nd or April 3rd when the next James Bond movie comes out. Apparently in a theater. We'll see whether that happens Mm. or not. But I hope it does. Okay. And maybe the studios, if we can get through this virus stuff, will just go load us up with tons of movies. Because, you know, during the Christmas season, you know... There wasn't a whole lot of movies to watch. So I found myself sitting next to my wife watching, yes, Hallmark Christmas movies. I know that's a big favor. So so you asked what I did, what I did the last couple of weeks of the year. you learned they weren't that bad. um, (laughs) Nope, but but I, I, uh, I tested myself all the time to go, okay, how many minutes in before I can guess the end? So Like three. There's Three. like two yeah. endings nine, to I mean, any nine, I think I've Hallmark seen movie. maybe two Hallmark Christmas movies, not all the way through. Just I, I was browsing and checked it out. I'm pretty sure every single one follows the exact same plot line. Yeah, there's <laughs> just like with two. different characters and some twists. You just gotta in, you just gotta guess who ends up with who and what yeah. happens. And yeah, the quickest one I could figure out was like 90 seconds. Yeah. I'm like we're 90 seconds in. I'm like, oh, I got this one. <laughs> Dorothy's like, have you watched this before? And I'm like. Nope, that Basically. was a, that was an easy no, guess. Just an expert. <laughs> that that was an easy guess, but boy, when do they make all these Christmas love story movies? That's crazy. There's tons of them. There's I know. It seems like it. there's a different one all, all the time. Anyway. You're talking to me. I'm an expert in this. I'm fully aware. Yeah. You just, <laughs> so, you just need the socks. One thing I miss, speaking of movie theaters, well, it has nothing to do with movie theaters, but I miss sitting in an arena watching sports mm. with an adult beverage in my hand just watching baseball or hockey yeah. or football or I'm ready to get back to that. Yep. And certain certain teams of mine are not on local television right now, so it's really frustrating that I can't see them in person or see them on TV. I won't mention any names, but that needs to get figured out really quickly. <laughs> yeah, by one uh, cable network and one TV network not being able to get along. 
Yeah. Or not. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Come on, sign the contract. I want to watch some sports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So it's, how was how a, was the end of your Christmas, Bennett? Oh, it was adventurous. It was fun, low key. Um, had some dog injuries. Uh, she had some emergency surgery on her spine, which was not obviously planned for since it was an emergency and not really financed for either. Um, but <laughs> what had happened, and she's doing better, and she's uh, she's happy. She's you know getting getting stronger every day. So. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how her life will be afterwards, but she's uh, she's pulling through, so it's all good. And on that, the road to recovery. On the road to recovery, she's stuck in her kennel like twenty four seven, and she, I think she resents me pretty hard for that. Sure, <laughs> definitely. Uh, she doesn't quite understand why she still has to be in her kennel, other than the fact that she still can't use her back legs. But you know, she'll get, she's getting better. So <laughs> yeah. Good. So so basically, what I'm sitting across from now is goat drama. And dog drama. Yeah. We cannot, Goat drama and dog drama. We That's good. We stay away from our animal drama in yeah. the few weeks. <laughs> this is what happens when you can't go see movies in a movie. <laughs> exactly. That's it. That's it. If I was a, yeah, in an arena, she would have just probably been on the couch and not doing whatever she did to break her back. So, <laughs> I don't know. Hadn't thought about that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, so yeah, glad, glad we've made it to 2021. It's a new year. Uh, we've got a new topic to start the year on uh, the podcast this this month or this week. Gosh, we're doing it weekly. It's crazy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to transition from uh, last week's discussion around fix it or ditch it um, into skills and, and skills-based economy, how organizations are really leveraging um, and focused on skills versus competencies um, how skills have evolved even in the last few months, uh, in the last year, with uh, everything going on in the world, how things have had to change so rapidly, um, and, and just really how that's impacting people um, within organizations, organizations as a whole, and, and how, how we get through that and how we adjust to, to kind of measuring skills versus competencies or both and, and kind of understanding when, when there is a gap, how do I fill that gap? Um, of skills versus um, just purely kind of judging and, and, and rating against competencies. So um, I think kind of going into it, Chris, I'd love for your thoughts just kind of around what is the, the shift to skills-based economy look like and, and kind of what's that impact and kind of set us up for our conversation today, if you could. Absolutely. Well, I know this in this particular week, we're going to focus a lot on people side and the business side and, and where the real impact is. Um, the shift that we've begun to see, and, and really it's been over a year now, where we begun to see the trickle, and now it's like somebody put their, their foot on the mm-hmm. accelerator pedal or open the dam or whatever analogy you want to use to begin looking at skills and how skills are impacting a, a business's ability to go and execute. So why skills? Uh, there's been years and years where we were all focused on competencies and how do we drive up to competencies and I'm competent in a particular area. And what we're finding is is that competencies are really not granular enough to deal with the rapid nature of change inside business. Whether it's a change in technology, it's a change in product set, it's a change in any activity. And I think we we all know we've been talking a little bit about 2020 and I want to harp on that because I'm very excited about 2020. 21. But when we think about the fact that um, everybody's job changed, Mm -hmm. 
uh, in 2020. It doesn't matter who you were, your job changed. It doesn't matter if you're the guy picking up garbage. It doesn't matter if you're a waitress at, at a restaurant. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO or any job in between. There was something that changed in your job. You needed a different set of skills in order to be able to achieve what you needed to achieve. Now, it doesn't mean you weren't competent. What it means is you were competent, but you needed skills. Skills give us a different level of granularity to be able to help manage and understand what changes are going on in the organization and what we need the people to do. As I've been talking to CEOs and business leaders, they're very focused on do I have the right people to execute on the vision for the future? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of assessment that you can go do to be able to figure out what those right people are. But in order to get down to the detail level of execution, do I have the right skills to be able to achieve a task? And I'll give you one example. So from a salesperson, sales was done in person. We were doing it on the phone. We were out at meetings, conferences, events. But now salespeople across the board are selling over Zoom or Microsoft Teams. They're actually going and doing virtual selling. Well, do you have the skill to sell online as opposed to sell in person? That really is a big differentiator. So I was talking with a friend of mine who's got about 90 salespeople, and he said only 10% of my sales staff have the skills to sell online versus sell virtually. And, and so we began to talk about that and we said, not only is that a problem that I have very few people that have the skill to sell it, I don't have the skill on the client side to be able to buy virtually when they're expecting somebody to come and be in person. And this guy's in the, in the pharma business and so they're trying to sell drugs and medicine, but we gotta do it virtual now because we can't go into an office. We can't meet face to face. It's really a different environment. So that's an example of skills now that we know we have a gap in because we can go assess that and understand it. And we go, okay, out of 90 people, nine people have the skill to sell online. Mm -hmm. That that means I got 81 people over here who don't have the skill online, and now I have a very specific objective to go remediate against. Mm -hmm. They all are competent salespeople. They all have the competency of being able to sell, but the skill to sell differently is important. Like we know in sales, there's some people that are great at relational sales. There's others that are great at responding to RFPs. There's others that are very technical in their sales process. All of those different sales skills, we now, if we understand that, mm -hmm. and we understand the gaps, and we understand how those skills turn into a capability, we can actually go put people in the right position to do the right job in order to be successful. And so when you begin to look at skills and just kind of the framework that Bennett, you are asking for here is it's really about getting to a level of granularity in order to be able to understand what capability do I have in the organization to go execute on the business of the future. And I think if we don't have that information, we're just kind of guessing at this entire process. So it, it's something that I think is going to begin to transcend all kinds of different businesses. Mm -hmm. We've already seen it in a lot of 
uh, very sophisticated businesses and manufacturing businesses that they've been focused on understanding and developing skills for a period of time. Um, But it's now beginning to kind of wash across every single industry and begin to look at that in a very, very different way. And I personally think the, the CEOs, the business leaders, the learning leaders, the HR leaders, anybody who's focused on the value of the people uh, inside the organization has got to go take a look at how skills impact delivery of goods and services inside their business because it's not going to happen if you don't have people doing it. Agreed. I think it's something we've seen the shift here ourselves and, and you know, we, we do training programs for clients on on the technology that we implement with them. And in just that offering alone, we've had to really adjust who can deliver that work. We've had to adjust how we deliver that work and how we're enabling others to get on board with it. That's just a, a, a small example within our business where we've had to make those adjustments. The thing is, is where are a lot of clients figuring this out? How do they know when they've got the skills gap or, or when they, you know, they need to retrain their workforce? And I think in some cases, and especially right now, it's more reactive. Do you think there's ways to get in front of that or how can they start to see it before it's a big problem? Oh, I think, I think it's critical to get ahead of it because I think we see in a lot of businesses, um, and there's a, a lot of examples of companies we work with where they're retroactively looking back at skills and they're going, I don't understand why this person didn't succeed in this job. They look like that they were a great fit, really good culture, but they just could never get the job done. Mm-hmm. Or that person opted out on their own. What we know from a lot of studies that are out there is the main reason that people are either not succeeding in the job or they're opting out of the job is that they haven't been developed into a role that allows them to feel like they're being successful or to achieve a task. Because maybe we put somebody in to be an administrator of some piece of technology and they actually don't have the skills to understand the detail level of technology. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're a great learning person, but making them you know, an LMS admin is the wrong role for them, mm-hmm. even though they were a great instructional designer, or taking them as a great learning technology person and trying to make them an instructional designer. Those are different sets of skills that fit a different role. So I think to your point, Tiffany, um, you've got to get ahead of this and begin to evaluate that. And from a business standpoint, the business needs to go do skill gaps against the organization to understand what they have, where the gaps are, and where do we actually need to work to remediate to fit those future business goals. But the individuals are out there equally saying, do I have the skills to do this job? Is there a way for me to figure out what I need to do, not only for the job that I'm in, but everybody's always looking at that next job and saying, I need the skills for the next job. How do I go develop those? We can proactively look at that and predict if we do the right skills gap assessment, both for the organization and for the individual, because we're always trying to balance what are the needs of the business with the desires of the individual. And if we can balance that appropriately, everybody wins, everybody's happy, everybody's successful. But I think the way to do that is to begin doing those assessments now to understand where we are and provide a way to be able to predict a little bit of the future and where the future opportunity is. Yeah, I really I think it's very interesting 
your point on you know the skills around the, the job we do every day as well as the roles of organizations and how the, how much they've changed in the last nine months tw- ten months um, because of what's been going on I think it's you know general generationally with with everyone in the workforce right now I think this is it's it's one of the biggest shifts that that's ever happened probably since World War One, World War Two, of, of of having to adjust the way you do work, mm-hmm. adjust the way that mm-hmm. businesses do their their what they're intended to do, um, but still make things work and still try to you know capture skills and understand skills of their people. So I want to get granular on your point of being more granular. Um, <laughs> so you had mentioned you must get more granular in understanding your people, understanding the business, understanding the people that are within your business. How do I start? What do I do? What does that mean? How how do you measure that um, that understanding of your people and begin to document or, or understand what skills are there, what skills, what where there is a gap and, and how I mediate that gap? Yeah, so the, the great question, Bennett. The, the first thing that I want to say is this is a really easy thing to make so incredibly large Uh that there's no way you can ever get your head around how big a challenge this could be. So we need to break it down into smaller segments in order to be able to make that work. But but the first thing you have to do, and and y'all, I mean, y'all have heard me say this for years and years and years. The first thing is we gotta go figure out what the real business challenge we're trying to solve is. Not only what is it today, and what's that priority, but what's it going to be in the future and where are we going? Look out 12 months, look out you know three years and begin to provide some idea of what that looks like. It may not be, you may not be accurate three years down the road. Nobody, sure. actually, I don't think anybody can be right now. It's a kind of a wag. Whatever you had planned it. in 2019 but is definitely it, been uh, thrown out the window. Yeah. That is absolutely <laughs> true. But, but if we go look at it and say, what do I need now? what do I believe that I'm going to need in 12 months in terms of a business challenge? And the business challenge then has to break down into how do I need to execute against that business challenge? So I'll go back to the sales example that we already started with. Um, And in the sales example, you may say, well, where I am now, I need to have as much of my staff capable of being able to sell using online tools as I possibly can. It's absolutely critical. But what does that look like in the future? Well, we actually have to build a business plan to say that our future is going to be all based around digital marketing, around digital interaction, and around digital selling. And so you begin to take those pieces. Now we have to go into the role and define what skills do we need to have in order to be able to achieve that task. Some of it may be a little guesswork right now, but I believe that you're going to get a lot of accuracy and there's a lot of great information out there about what makes a successful virtual or online salesperson as a part of this process. If we can begin to define that from the business side first, now we can begin to go back and look at the roles and look at where we are today and what is the role of this salesperson. What are the skills that we expect them to have today? You might even want to go back and look and say, what were they at this time in 2020? And and then begin to define what the change was so you can begin to look at that. My key point earlier of 
we can make this so large because I take a 10,000 person organization and I want to go do this across every single, your mind is going to explode and you got to go take specific areas of your business to go test out and develop a framework for what skills look like against my ability to execute inside the business. And I think that you're going to find if you do that simply at the, at the beginning, that it's going to be easy to begin to do that if you make the problem smaller. And I, I think using your, your sales analogy here is, you know, we're saying you've got to identify what are the key skills um, that people need to sell virtually. Well, you already said that particular company had eight that were doing really well. So instead of trying to figure out from scratch what are those key skills, because you've never had to do that within your organization, sit down and evaluate what are the thi- what are the skills that play into the things that those eight people are doing great, yeah. and then take that as, as your framework. It may not include every single skill that you may identify, but it gives you your baseline instead of having to figure it out. I think when we talk to clients about it, that's the piece that gets so big is how am I supposed to ever figure it out? Model after what's working mm-hmm. and then build off of that. Don't start from scratch if you can avoid it. Some cases you have to. When you know there's going to be a major change in the business, you may have to start from scratch. Obviously, market research and other things will help with that. But take a take a look at what's working really well or what's what's going great and use that as your framework instead of instead of trying to figure it out with a with blind spots. Yeah, I think you make a great point because what you just kind of brought out in my mind was even in the sales role, go break down the different capabilities that you need and go focus on one of the capabilities. It's not, hey, is person A a competent salesperson? Well, hopefully you wouldn't have hired them if they weren't a competent salesperson. So you've already passed that competency test. But now I've got to go develop different skills. Don't go to try to develop them all the time. Go prioritize the skills you need in your salespeople and go work on that one area. And I think it's going to be easier to map. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to me, this may be way off, but in my head, um, competencies are a measure of that, hey, today I'm good at doing the job I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I measure it against that, and if I'm, you know, if I, based on where I am, it marks and measures where where I'm successful in my current role. Skills are a way a company can identify where those skill gaps are, but also where the skills of their people lie within the organization and find that, hey, this person, person A may be in the perfect job, and they're on the right path to uh, the next level or next, mm-hmm. you know, within that department or within that job role. But they also might uncover this person is extremely skilled in places we didn't know about because sure. they were in a different job. Let's get them in this more specialized field or in a, in a place that they fit better in. And, and those skills can be more, um, more, more utilized in a, in a better way. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we, I don't remember it was last podcast or the one before, we talked about um, CEOs. One of their big focuses is around mobility. Can I actually move people around in jobs? Can I go take people that are already in the organization and help them fill different roles and not let, let's just not try to shortcut and solve our problem with not having the right talent by, we're just going to recruit our way out of this problem. Well, that doesn't work because when you bring that person in, then you have to go develop them as well because they're never going to come in with a full set of information in order to be able to do the job. So CEOs are saying, 
hey, mobility is my number one question, mm-hmm. right? Now, from a learning and talent side, we take that mobility and we go, then we got to understand, just like you said, Bennett, we got to understand the skills and competencies of what's going on inside our business in order to provide a picture of what that mobility is. Because we mm-hmm. might find that that person, again, to your point, has incredible skills, but they're in a department that maybe underutilizes skills, but there's a different place for them that they could absolutely be a rock star. And let's go move them over to that rock star location and see how they shine. And I think even in our business, we found people that were in that were in one role. We thought, well, they're doing a pretty good job. And then we went and tested some of that. We went, wait a second. That individual has mad skills to be able to go achieve this. Let's go try them over there. Mm-hmm. And boom, rocket ship, right? right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a piece. CEOs are focused on mobility. That's the problem that they're trying to solve. Learning and talent professionals, we have to look at that and say, okay, in order to solve the mobility problem, we have to know the skills in order to be able to match up to where the needs are in the organization, thus the skills gap to begin to get to um, a particular solution. And in, in the mobility, solving the mobility problem, I want to add, is also, it kind of goes back to that balance um, scale that you were talking about, the, the needs of the business, but also the desire of the employee, is most, most people don't want to just stay in the position that they're in today. They want to have a path. They want a career path. They want to grow and promote or they want to expand their knowledge and their skills Mm -hmm. and so really putting that focus inside the organization gives you the ability to kind of you know balance that out and give two people the best of both worlds yeah i love that yeah moral of the story from what i heard from you chris you gotta uncover the mad skills within people the (laughs) mad skills i didn't say that didn't i i don't know where that came from anyway yeah yeah i don't know if it was hip or maybe a little outdated but (laughs) (laughs) I'm not young enough to There's, know anymore there, either, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Here, sitting here with y'all, there's a lot of things that I'll probably say. I'll bring out some 70s references, and y'all can both go, We're out. what's he talking about? <laughs> Over my head. <laughs> <laughs> so in closing, um, as we talk about people as it relates to skills and just how the impact of the people and skills development has on the organization – I mean, we, I think we've talked through this a little bit or a lot through this conversation so far, but can you summarize, I guess, uh, just to close us out in, in, in this thought, what is the overall business benefit and impact of, of, this, of this conversation, of this focus on skills? Yeah, I think, I think when we get into this and we think about having the right skills for the, with the right person in the right role in the organization, number one, it's going to reduce your overall cost of delivery or execution, which means it's going to have an immediate impact on gross margin inside a business. Because if I've got a person that has the right skills, then I'm going to have one level of efficiency. If I have a person that doesn't have the right skills, then I'm going to have a different level of efficiency. And I think having those right skills immediately begins to impact a really important point in any business on the P&L, and that's going to be gross margin because you're going to begin to see that. I think that's number one for the business. The second thing I believe for the business, which is also for the individual, is the level of engagement that you'll have with someone to say, hey, here's the skills you have. Here's what we need in the organization. Here's the gap. Now you're giving them a path to be able to go 
become a more productive, a more engaged employee, and then also give them a path towards the future. I mean, we hear a lot of organizations talking about career paths, career planning. Well, how do you really get to that if you don't have something that's meaningful? Uh, it's not a, we're, we're kind of moved out of this world of, well, I've got, and, and I'll give an example of one client. You join the company, and they immediately recognized that you had you were competent as you graduated from college, mm-hmm. but you didn't have the skills to go do the job. So the first thing you were going to do was you're going to go through a three-year program in order to be able to get the skills so we can actually put you in front of a client. Now think about that in context of, the, of our world today. That's the first part is three years to figure out whether you're going to make it at the organization and we're going to actually put you in front of a client. Crazy, right? Yeah. Oh, wait a second. The next piece was a 12-year program to get you to the point of being an expert in this particular area. But even in, after 12 years, you weren't at the top level. So we just said you came out of college. I have a 15-year training program to get you to the level that you actually want to be at. Now, part of it's like, man, I got 15 years of education that's going to make me super smart and super capable. But how many people are going to have the patience with that 15-year training program across the board? I mean, this was a highly technical organization, so it made sense. But even they were trying to figure out how do we compress this and how do we get more activity because the individual wants to see action now. I want to know that I'm doing stuff now, that I'm making a difference now, that I'm progressing now. And I think that we have to look at it that way. Skills are giving us an ability to say not you're getting the full, you know, picture here or the, you know, the full kitchen. Uh, It's, you know what, Let, let me go teach you how to boil water. Sure. And then let me teach you how to, you know, go steam macaroni or whatever it is. We're not going all the way to steaming lobster, <laughs> right, at the at the beginning, but I think those skills are important. So number one is by taking this method and getting to a better level of execution, then you're going to have an impact on gross margin inside the business right away. The second piece is the level of employee engagement, I think, is going to be significant if you're in talking and beginning to have discussions around how achievement of one skill has an impact on the individual and the entire business or organization. And I think the third and final business benefit is it's not just about what happens now. But it's also about creating a path for your employees in your future. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a huge believer, don't go recruit your way out of a problem. Actually develop your way out of a problem. Go take the people that are already loyal and committed to your business. Go turn them in to the people that you want for the future, not only for you, but also for them. Mm-hmm. And I think collaboratively, that's going to be a great, great opportunity for all individuals. The key is we need information about people. People need information about themselves. Skills and skills assessment is going to give us information that we can share that helps us find a path to getting better in the future. Great. That's Yeah, that's that's. Exactly. Um, I think the the reason of, of, of the focus on skills it's it's really the it's it's going to obviously impact your people, your your uh, employees, uh, your 
contractors, your uh, external vendors, your customers. You know, it's, yeah. it's having the skills integrated into your organization and understanding those skills um, is, is a benefit to, to any company because of um, everything you mentioned. So appreciate that. Um, I think that's a lot that we've covered today. So We have. Uh-huh. And you can probably tell I'm just a little bit passionate about this. Yes, you so are. So I could sit here and talk about this it for was hours the, it and hours. It was the Chris Bond show today, but that's okay because <laughs> we, we always love hearing uh, Chris's expertise, and we always appreciate the ability to do that. And so we hope you do too. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. We're going to shift the conversation next week or next time you, you tune in. Um, to this same topic, but around technology. Uh, how does skills get tracked and, and, and what technology is leveraged? How can you um, take the technology and turn that into skills development, uh, skills training, uh, skills tracking, and, and just overall um, being able to use technology to um, impact learning and talent, just like we've, we're talking about every day here at Blue Water. So, Appreciate the time and and hope you are able to tune into our next one. And until then, have a great day. Thanks.